Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of The Health Biz Coach. I'm Scott Bullington, and today's episode is brought to you by Integrated Medical Services, helping independent physicians stay independent. You can check out IMS at www.imstx.net. So anytime I begin working with a small business, one of my first questions in the initial due diligence set is, how much is your revenue? That's a pretty easy question, right? Well, not for many. You'd be shocked, especially with medical practices. I get answers like, we're usually around this much each month, or I think it's about this per year or per month. Well, it depends on what my taxes show each year. Or maybe I notice someone has multiple revenue sources. Do you know what your total of your revenue sources comes to each month? Better yet, each week? No. Well, in just a minute, we'll get to one of my favorite lesser expected questions, but let's go back. We're running a business here, right? Here's a good definition of a business. A business is defined as an organization or enterprising entity engaged in commercial, industrial, or professional activities. The term business also refers to the organized efforts and activities of individuals to produce and sell goods and services for profit. Okay, for profit. In that explanation of business, everything that is occurring, the activities of the business are all leading up to one thing, to make a profit. So if you're a for-profit business and you don't know your revenue numbers, which also tells me you're not monitoring your expense numbers, then how do you measure whether your business is actually making money, much less maximizing its revenue? So does this sound familiar? Looking at my bank statements, I can see the difference between how much we paid and how much we brought in. Okay, fair statement. Or when I check the bank account, I see there's money in the bank. Well, okay again. But if all the checks cleared or all the bills paid, I've known businesses with money in the bank that were months past due with creditors. But I think you're getting my point. So if you don't have a regular and standardized method for reporting your financials and monitoring your metrics, you're pretty much navigating a dark cave by just filling the walls. So let me ask you, whether you're the business owner or managing the business, or sometimes both, many times both, does the business work for you? Are you leading the business in a way that builds around the goals you've set to reach your primary aim in life? Or does the business lead you? Are you constantly reactive to the unknowns and more specifically bound by financial constraints that keep you from reaching goals, performing services, or offering products simply because the money just wasn't there for some reason? The visual I think many of us business owners relate to, and if we're being honest, we've all felt like this, It's like having a ring in your nose and the business is using it to whip us from one side of the building to the other. It's not very fun. But let's wrap up my point. So knowing your numbers is a control over your business that allows you to make educated decisions about how to move your business forward. When to add products or services. When to hire more employees. Every day in your business, you should be evaluating, problem-solving, and modifying your activities based on the revenue, 
expenses, cash flow, and profit, as well as other measures that reveal the strengths and weaknesses, trends and break-even points, and even more. So financial metrics are essential, are they not? Okay, let's bring it down a notch and deal with some simplicity before we all need the Xanax. For those of you not familiar with financial reporting and organization of your finances, it can get overwhelming. And we're not here to get overwhelmed. We're here to grow and be strategic in understanding the basics of our business. So as you've gathered, there's many financial metrics and reports, and they serve varying needs for financial insights in different ways. The three I like to use the most are a cash flow forecast, a profit and loss, and a little jewel I call average per encounter value. And we'll get to that one in a minute. Now, we're not going to discuss cash flow forecasts today. It can get pretty involved and take some work to pull together if you don't have the right software for it. And it can be kind of overwhelming. But I'll say, when I don't have a cash flow forecast available to me for planning purposes, I'm lost. Because a good forecast can tell me I'll have 5000 in the bank tomorrow, but only $1 in the bank two weeks from now. So seeing that information guides me to make better decisions with cash on hand or rearrange the payables. So some companies use cash flow forecasts not only to look two weeks out, but months out, quarters out, a year out. Okay, and that's for another conversation. But let's dive into the profit and loss first, and then we'll get to average per encounter value afterwards. So a profit and loss statement, or we're going to refer to it as a P&L, is the same as an income statement. So if you hear both terms, don't get confused. They're really the same. Now, the P&L statement summarizes revenues, cost, expenses incurred during a specified time. So maybe a month, a fiscal quarter, and or a year. It's really for whatever period you want to look at or compare. It provides information about your ability or inability to generate profit, either by increasing revenue, reducing cost, or both. So let's break down the P&L a little further. There's basically three parts to your P&L. The first line is how much revenue was recorded. It's pretty easy, right? If you have multiple streams of revenue, I'll bring it into one line. It's the top line item. The second part and generally more than one line, is the explanation or categories of your expenses. And when we say categories, we mean each expense you pay out in your business should be assigned an expense category. Like most all businesses have an expense of rent. Most all businesses have an expense of utilities. And many times, so say utilities are broken down further into water, electric, and phone. And some other common categories seen on a P&L are going to be payroll, payroll expense, advertising, insurance. You get the picture. And I assume most of you have seen breakdowns from your CPAs at year's end, but hopefully monthly. Now, if you're a medical office, you'll probably have a category of medical supplies. If you're a baker, you'll probably have a category of fresh ingredients. If you're a dressmaker, you'll probably have a category of material cost. So regardless of your business specialty, the categories in a P&L are meant for two things. First, to report correctly on your income taxes. And secondly, to report to you 
where your money is going. So make it your own. Make the information mean something to you. Now, for the third part. It's the bottom line we so frequently refer to. Did you make money during that period or come up negative? Expenses against revenue comes to your bottom line, the third part. Did you come up positive negative? This is your profit and loss statement, hence the name of the report. Now, I want to go back to the category section for a second. When I say make the information mean something to you, I'm saying that a P&L should give you a compare and contrast ability to see month to month. If you're a medical office spending $1,500 per month on medical supplies and suddenly one month you notice your medical supply costs jumped to $3,000, you'll probably want to ask why. And if you're only receiving a P&L yearly when your taxes are done, how would you ever catch this in time to review your supply costs and modify your buying? And if I walk through your door tomorrow and ask, how much do you spend on marketing monthly? Please don't tell me you'll know when your taxes are completed. See, costs like this aren't generally once-a-month expenses that hit you in the face when they're out of line and being indignant. No, they come in smaller amounts that add up inconspicuously. And that's why the individual categories in your P&L should be unique to the different expenses you incur to operate your type of business. So in a nutshell, the categories in your P&L provides a periodic comparison of expenses to know you're either on track or off course. Now, I want to jump over to average per encounter value. I've mentioned it several times. Now, retailers may call it average ticket sell. In real estate, it's considered per transaction value. This is one of my favorite metrics to use on a regular basis, and why is that? So, in a medical setting, this number indicates multiple variables that could be happening to the revenue. See, on a P&L, we only see the total revenue. It doesn't show us how many transactions we conducted to get to that amount of revenue. Now, on the other hand, a per encounter value has a distinct amount of transactions associated with it. It's easy. For a specified time period, I divide the total revenue by the number of transactions it took to get to that value. That amount is now my baseline. For instance, if my revenue is 200,000 and I saw 1,600 patients or retail customers or cake buyers, then my average encounter value is $125. I now know that every patient I see is worth $125. Every paying retail customer is worth $125 and so on. If I need to add 5,000 in revenue every month, I now know I need 40 new paying customers. But this metric also gives me other data points that I like. So if my average value begins to decline, then maybe my collections are a problem. Maybe my billable service has declined. A retailer probably needs to look at the product mix and price points of merchandise being bought and change the promotions. So looking at your P&L, if your revenue goes down in a month, we say, ah, it was just a slow month. But if your average encounter value goes down, that's not a slow month. That's a direct symptom of a problem. But turn that around. Because what we all want is for the average encounter value to go up. Maybe collections are better. 
Additional services you're offering are being paid. Retail customers are buying the accessories at the register counter. Bakery customers are buying the cookies you're sampling. The key for many of us is to see that average number rise. It's easy. To bring in 200000 would you rather serve 1,600 people for $125 each or 2,000 people for $100 each? Now, better yet, wouldn't you rather make 200000 by serving 1,000 for $200 each? Of course. But until you know that average encounter value, you can't determine the number you want to achieve. You don't know what the trajectory looks like and much less the plan of how to get there. I won't even mention the additional cost of serving 2,000 versus 1,000. Seriously, for most, if not all, small business owners, there's only so many hours in a day. So many hours you and your staff can see patients, so many hours for retail sales, so many pies that can be baked, but you need to increase your revenue. Do you just keep packing your schedule? So most will say, we need more patients. We need more customers. Sure, who doesn't? And that's great, but I really want you to first focus on ways to increase your per average encounter or your per encounter average, not just more encounters. So here's a quick side note. In 25 years, do you know how many medical providers could answer my question, what's your average encounter value? I can count them on one hand, one hand, and yes, I know a few of you are listening, so pat yourself on the back. For everyone else, it's time to know your numbers. And please, if you're feeling convicted, don't. This conversation isn't meant to be condemning. It's a call to action to get those numbers together and use that data as you steer your business. You are the captain and you do have the wheel. And we all fall prey to the distractions of the business and put off these reviews, present company included. Now, even last night, I was speaking with a close friend of mine that owns a real estate company, and he recently hired a business coach. And one of the first questions the coach asked my friend was, you guessed it, what's your numbers? How much did you spend on advertising last quarter? My friend's response so eloquently was, uh, next question, please. My friend said admittedly it was embarrassing because he knew he should be reviewing his numbers regularly. And just like knowing we need to lose 20 pounds, we put it off. But we can't put it off any longer. They're more important today than ever. Now, I got to wrap it up, so here's the deal. A 15-minute conversation isn't going to organize your financials. It's only going to introduce you or remind you of what needs to be done. So take these thoughts we've discussed and make up your mind that you'll begin reviewing your numbers as a business owner should. And as always, I'm here to help. Text or call me at 817-988-3239 or email scott at imstx.net and let's roll up our sleeves and get to work. So I'll catch you next time on the Health Biz Coach. And for now, peace out.